Thank you for joining us for Working Through the Word, a ministry of the Richmond Church of Christ. Let's join our pulpit minister, Mike Johnson, as he brings today's lesson. They come up in all kinds of situations. One of them is, of course, will you marry me? Whoa, that's a tough one. Nerve-wracking. Has a lot of emotion attached to it. Or how about this question when said this way? Did you do what I asked you to do? Pretty important, right? And then the one that you're probably all thinking about, when is dinner? Pretty important. Already thinking about it. All kinds of questions are really important in life. And they will continue to be, and there are a whole lot of questions we could put on that list and have not. But today, you need to know, we need to be reminded that there is one question, just one, that will take us, stay with us, and impact the life that we have when this one is over. And the question simply is this. If I die today, where will I be in eternity? That's it. Now that's the question. That's the most important question any individual can ever ask. And we're going to ask it today. You have, hopefully, in your possession one of these. Look around. Be sure you have one. If you don't, there are others around. I'm going to ask, furthermore, that if you choose not to, if you want, you, you, this is for you, of course. It's an addition to the outline. If you want to take this home with you, you take it. I'm hoping that in the next few moments that you will participate with us, all of us together, in this little brochure. If you have access to one, if not, you can look around and find the whole places where there might be some. And if you have one, I'd like for you to turn to the very front panel and you open it up and fold it there in half or whatever you want to do. And I want you to look on the left-hand side. on the left-hand side. And I want you either to do this with a pen or a pencil or do it in your mind and then I want you to set it aside. Notice the question about the middle of the first column. Ask this question of yourself. Have you been saved? You either mark it or you make a mental note, yes or no. Now, of course, this question is to be asked by anyone who no longer considers himself or herself to be a child. Because children don't ask that question because it's already been answered. The Lord has already said that children are safe with Jesus. So if you don't consider yourself to be a child anymore, then you need to answer this question. Have you been saved? Yes or no? Now for those of you who said yes, I want you to go to the next question. If yes, when were you saved? 
And I'd like for you to think back to the day that you were saved. Think of the year, think of the month, even the day, if you can. If you can't, think as many of those as possible. The year, month, the day, as many of those as you can think of. If you have been saved, when? Third question. Have you been baptized? Yes or no? Either mark it with a pen, mark it in your mind. Yes or no? If you are not a child, then everyone in this room can answer that question. Yes or no? You either have or you have not been. And finally, if you have been baptized, if yes, I want you to write down the day, or the year, the month, and the day as best you can remember when that event occurred. Now, I hope you're all participating, whether in pen, in mind, in concept. Then I want you to take it, and I want you to set it down beside you. Pick up your Bible. The material that we are going to think about for the next few minutes is in that handout, but I want you to be sure that you pick up your Bible. The verses are there written out. But I want us together to open our Bibles and consider these things. Those who shepherd this flock have asked that once a month this year we deal with the topic or a, a, less, a series of lessons about the basic things of Christianity. And so we are using the title for these 12 lessons, Bible Authority On, and then whatever the topic is. Today it is Bible Authority On Baptism. Now let me remind all of us about the concept of Bible authority that was last month's lesson. Bible authority says, what does the Bible permit or authorize me to teach and to believe? What does the Bible teach on this topic? And whatever it teaches, that's all I can teach. Whatever it teaches, that's all I can preach and that's all you can teach. It is not possible to be right with God and to preach or to teach something that God's Word has not authorized. And it is my job and it is your job to figure out what the Bible permits me to teach on any given topic. It's not fair to talk about any given topic and overlook any verse that deals with the topic. It is not a fair rendering of the text to know that there are six or seven or ten verses or passages and you only look at three of them and overlook the others. It's not fair. So we will look at all of them and consider them in trying to answer this question. Number three, it is important to recognize this word baptism. It is a very misunderstood term. 
It is true that most every church has some form of baptism. Some don't practice it at all. Some in various forms of requirement or not requirement. But everybody seems to practice some form of baptism to some degree. I think it is because it is such a prevalent, clear passage in Scripture. Most churches practice it because it's there. You can't get around it. I counted up this past week, there are more than 70, 70 churches in the Richmond area. And I'm not even talking about Berea. I'm talking about Richmond addresses. And one of the things that separates us as far as what we teach and preach is the subject of baptism. We don't all teach it the same way. We're going to study it in the next few minutes. And we're going to find out what does the Bible authorize to be taught on the subject of baptism. And by looking at various verses that use the word, we're going to learn what we are permitted to teach. And we're not permitted to teach anything else in any other way than what we teach today on the subject of baptism. Consider with me these concepts. The next couple of verses that we read will tell us this. Baptism is a point in time when condemnation ends and salvation begins. Turn, if you will, to Romans chapter 5. Romans chapter 5. Look at verse 12. Therefore, just as through one man sin entered the world, and death through sin, thus death spread to all men, because all sin. All people are under the condemnation of sin. The condemnation of sin is because you sin, you're going to die. That was the promise of God in the garden. And in the next chapter, Paul will say in chapter 6, verse 23, the wages of sin is death. We're under the condemnation of sin. The reason... People die physically is because sin came into the world. The reason there are all the difficulties and problems that we have in life is because sin came into the world. God didn't put those in the garden. They are the result of sin. We live under the condemnation of sin. And if we die under the condemnation of sin, then we are in trouble for eternity. But there is a place at which we can say, 
I am no longer under the condemnation of sin. Look at Mark chapter 16. While you're turning there, I hope that you have been aware of the changes in the lobby. If you have not taken time to notice, look at the changes in the kiosk in the lobby and look at the stuff that's been put on the wall, the wording. It's this passage. Mark 16, starting verse 15. Go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. Notice, he who believes and is baptized will be saved. He who does not believe will be condemned. Here's what I know. I know that all people, because they sin, live under the condemnation of sin. And I know that Jesus told his disciples to let the world know that once they are baptized, they become saved people. So if you want to live or move from the condemnation to the salvation, it happens at baptism. Now there's a great illustration of this in Scripture. If you recall in Genesis chapter 6, when God told Noah, the earth is corrupt and I'm going to destroy it. Go make the ark. Now turn, if you will, to 1 Peter, chapter 3. Look at verse 20 and 21. Peter was making the point that through the Spirit of God, people in the Old Testament were told about the coming of a new era when salvation would be available. Verse 20. Who formerly were disobedient when once the divine long-suffering waited in the days of Noah. That is, God waited a hundred years to let Noah preach, to help people have a chance to get on board that ark. While the ark was being prepared in which a few, that is eight souls, were saved through water. Only eight people, total, accepted the message of salvation. Do you want to live? They lived under the condemnation that the flood was coming. And everybody and everything would die. God let Noah preach. Do you want to get out from under that condemnation? Then get on the boat and you can be saved. 21. There is also an antitype that now saves us. Antitype is probably a word we don't use very often in our language. But basically, you have a type and then you have an anti-type. And they match up together. Notice what he says. There is also an anti-type that now saves us. 
The type was back here in Noah's day. When the eight, verse 20, were saved through water. There is also an antitype that now saves us. Baptism. Not the removal of the filth of the flesh, but the answer of a good conscience toward God through the resurrection of Jesus Christ. I know this. God permits me to teach that at the point of baptism, a person leaves the ranks of condemnation and moves to the ranks of salvation. Number two. The Bible permits me to teach this. Prior to baptism, I'm guilty. After baptism, I'm godly. Look at Colossians. Chapter 2. We will start at verse 11. Colossians chapter 2, starting at verse 11. In Him, in Christ, you were also circumcised with the circumcision made without hands by putting off the body of the sins of the flesh by the circumcision of Christ, buried with Him in baptism, in which you also were raised with Him through faith in the working of God, who raised him from the dead, and you being dead in your trespasses and the uncircumcision of your flesh, he's made alive together with him, having forgiven you all trespasses. They were guilty until they were baptized, and then they were godly. You see, they were under the guilt of sin, the weight, the burden of sin. But in baptism, it was lifted. In baptism, it is gone. Look at Romans chapter 6. Romans chapter 6, we'll start in verse 1. What shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? Certainly not. How shall we who died to sin live any longer in it? But do you not know that as many of us as were baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? Therefore, we were buried with him through baptism into death, that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so, we also should walk in newness of life. For if we've been planted together, or united together in the likeness of his death, certainly we also shall be in the likeness of his resurrection, knowing this, that our old man was crucified with him. That the body of sin might be done away with, that we no longer should be slaves of sin. It's gone. The guiltiness is gone. Now we're godly. 
Which is why Paul would tell Timothy, 1 Timothy chapter 4 and in verse 7, exercise yourself toward godliness. Because I know the Bible teaches me and allows me and permits me to teach that prior to baptism, you're guilty. And after baptism, you're godly. Third, here's what I know. Turn to Acts chapter 2. And we don't have time to deal with the entire chapter, but we can find what's going on and understand it well. Acts chapter 2. Peter stands up on this great day of Pentecost. And notice what he says to these people starting in verse 22. Men of Israel, hear these words. Jesus of Nazareth, a man attested by God to you by miracles, wonders, and signs which God did through him in your midst, as you yourselves also know. Him being delivered by the determined purpose and foreknowledge of God, you have taken by lawless hands, have crucified and put to death. He said many other things that produce this reaction in verse 37. When they heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, Men and brethren, what shall we do? You're sinners. You killed Jesus. What are we going to do? What's my problem? You killed Jesus. You're a sinner. Peter said, verse 38, repent. And let every one of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins. And you'll receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. They were sinners. They killed Jesus. And Peter said, before you were baptized, you now are sinners. But if you will be baptized, you will be sinless. Because the waters of baptism remove the sin. That's what they were taught. That's all they knew. I can teach that. Number four. Matthew. Chapter 28. We'll start in verse 18. Matthew 28. Verse 18. And Jesus came and spoke to them, saying, All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go, therefore, 
and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things that I have commanded you. Lord, I'm with you always, even to the end of the age. Here's what Jesus said. You need to go in the world and let them know that they have been disobedient, but I want them to be disciples. Notice what he said. Go make disciples. How do you make them? By teaching, baptizing, and continuing to teach. That's what the text says. That's what they taught. That's the message they took with them from place to place. The idea is, you want to be a disciple? It starts at baptism. So if you're not a disciple, what are you? You're disobedient. I know this. I can teach today that anyone who has not yet been baptized is being disobedient to the Lord. And once you are baptized, you are a disciple of the Lord to learn, to grow, to mature. Now, this is what the Bible teaches about baptism. Let us remind ourselves what we are permitted to teach. I am permitted to teach that I am under condemnation until baptism. Then I'm under salvation. I am permitted to teach that I am guilty before God until baptism. And then I'm God-like after baptism. I am permitted to teach that I am sinful before baptism and sinless after baptism. And I am permitted to teach that I am a disobedient person until baptism, when I then can be a disciple. Now pick up the paper again. And go back to that first panel. And whether you marked it on the page or marked it in your mind, let's review The religious world in general teaches this. Go get saved, then go get baptized. That's what it teaches. The religious world in general teaches that kind of thing. If you are one, 
who claim to have been saved on one day and baptized on another day then the baptism you practiced is not the baptism of scripture it's just not in fact I know it is said I've heard it in many religious groups when a person wants to be baptized, the one administering the baptism says, do you believe that God, for Christ's sake, has forgiven you of your sins? Has forgiven you of your sins? The person says, yes, I do. Now I will baptize you. It's not what my Bible says. That's not what your Bible says. In fact, there is nothing in Scripture, not one word that says, invite Jesus into your heart. Not there. And those who teach that we have to let, just invite Jesus in, ask him to come in and cleanse your life, then go find a church, then go be baptized. They're not teaching what the Bible authorizes to be taught, plain and simple. Now here's a question. If you die today, where will you be in eternity? You and I must answer that question. I can't answer it for you, nor you for me. It's between you and the Lord. The Lord knows our situation. The Lord knows and we know. Now the question is left to all of us to consider. We now know what the Bible authorizes to be taught about baptism. The only question is whether everyone here who is no longer considered to be a child has done that, can stand before the Lord and say, I'm in a saved condition and is willing to face eternity if you leave here today and your life breath leaves your body. So we all have a chance to be sure that we are right. Maybe you are ready to be baptized. Maybe one here has left the faith, wants to come home. Or maybe we all individually need simply to say to ourselves and to our God, I want to be better. I want to change. I want to grow. And in prayer before God, you get his forgiveness in your life. 
we can help you with anything this morning, will you come as we stand and sing? We hope you enjoyed today's broadcast brought to you by the Richmond Church of Christ. We are located at 1500 Lancaster Road in Richmond, Kentucky. We meet on Sunday mornings for Bible class at 9 a.m., followed by our morning worship service held at 10 a.m. Our Sunday evening service is held at 6 p.m., and our midweek Bible study is held on Wednesday at 7 p.m. If you are in the area, we would love to have you as our honored guest. Thanks for listening.